Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Welcome back to another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. It's the show with your hot takes and our even hotter opinions. And with me in the chair once again, it's Hannah Atkinson. Hello, Hannah. How's it going? Hello. I'm doing great. Thanks, Dre. We were just talking before we pressed record about how we're both aching a lot after a day carting yesterday. Um, But it was a great time, wasn't it? It was a great time. It was the first time I've ever been carted. And, wow. And um, it showed, is what <laughs> I will say. Um, it, it was a great time. I mean, there, there were brand new electric carts, um, 40 miles an hour with a boost button in an indoor carting ring is terrifying. Uh, <laughs> let, let me tell you, um, I have a newfound respect for anyone that's driven a road car over 40 because that must be terrifying when you're actually <laughs> in the driver's seat and not in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely wild scenes. Big thanks to Mahindra for inviting us both down for that yesterday. You've probably seen some of it on our respective social medias because uh, it was a uh, wild my back is still sore as a result but i will soldier on through hot takes wednesday despite the injury um so couple of things i need to address before we get in before we get into the nitty-gritty of it all first of all the lando norris shirt competition yes i am paying the piper and yes a lucky fan is about to win a lando norris shirt now quick explanation Last week's show, I put a question in the description, obviously said it on the show as well. How many podiums did Lando Norris uh, get in his F1 career, including the 2023 British Grand Prix? Now, technically, the correct answer is seven. He had seven, including the British Grand Prix. But this also left me with another small problem. I left the the competition entry point a little bit too late because I made it midnight on Sunday. And by that point, he'd had an eighth podium to add to his account because he obviously finished second in Hungary this past weekend. So don't worry. If you said eight after the Hungarian Grand Prix finished via email, I also did accept that as a correct answer. Um, I thought it was only fair because it was my bad for not organizing this uh, entirely in a foolproof way. So that's my bad. So anybody who said eight after Hungary, don't worry. You were also thrown into the pot of correct answers as well. Over 250 of you sent me an email on that. So thanks uh, to everyone that took part. And many, many people sent in very, very kind words regarding the show as well, included in the emails. I read every single one of them. So sincerely, thanks to all of you. Um, I was blown away by the level of kindness and understanding as well as um, obviously just all the competition entries in general. My inbox has never been so full. Um, (laughs) So what I did was I put them all in a folder. I put them all, I numbered every single email. I put them in a random number generator. It spat out a number. And the lucky winner is Morgan Gilcrest. So Morgan, congratulations. Um, You'll be winning a Lando Norris shirt. I'll be getting in touch with you via email. I'll get that sent out to you probably a little bit, uh, probably by the weekend, maybe early next week at the latest, um, just to 
dot over your I's and cross all the T's and get all that sorted out for you, Morgan. But congratulations, you've won the Lando Norris shirt. And of course, thank you to everybody who entered and thanks to everybody who messaged me being good sports about the whole thing. I do really appreciate that. Um, so it didn't go unnoticed. All the emails you sent, thank you all so much. Incredibly kind of you. Um, awesome, awesome stuff on that one. So for those who don't know uh, on Hot Takes Wednesday, for those who are new to us, because like I always say, every podcast is someone's first, um, you send in your hot takes, uh, the fine WTF1 audience out there, normally via Twitter, but we also accept them via email. Contact at WTF1.com is that email address. The lovely Emma who admins that account forwards any hot takes for the show to me directly. So don't feel like you're missing out. So again, contact at WTF1.com if you want to email me. You can tweet me at, um, at the them directly if you want as well dre underscore wtf1 on there or on instagram at uh dre wtf1 on there as well or drew f1 if the, if depending on how you look at it um <laughs> <laughs> depends on how you read it i suppose um so you can send them all on there um feel free and of course we'll pick five out every week and of course between me and our lovely guest in this case obviously hannah in this case uh we'll evaluate them and then we'll score them on a scale of one to five one being that we strongly disagree with them five being that we strongly agree now credit to a a, a gentleman called aiden ward who said he had a very valid um perspective on the show via twitter um, and I thought this was actually a good idea. Instead of having the vault where I put all the ones and fives in at the end of the year, we're going to do a little best of season review. You know, we'll have a little timeline. We'll have dates and tweets of when some of our funniest and some of the best takes over the course of the year will come in. And in the end of the year, we'll review them, look at them from a time perspective, go back and forth, see, you know, see some, see the fun ones, see some of the drab ones, see some of the ones that worked out, some of the ones who didn't. I thought that was a genuinely quite good idea. So that's what I'm going to do instead of the vault towards the end of the season, because Sometimes the ones are a bit dull and don't need a lot of further discussion. So we'll do that instead. So shout out to you, Aiden. Your idea actually made the show. You're very welcome. P.S. Thanks for tweeting me immediately after the Hungarian Grand Prix finished to tell me there's no way Lando Norris was going to get two podiums this season, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> we were very wrong with that extremely wrong. So mm. I, I will eat my slice of humble pie. It's not been the first time this month. No. <laughs> Lando Norris is out here costing me reputation and money. Um, so so thanks, Lando. I very much appreciate it. So with all that cleaned up and out of mind, shall we get into Hot Takes Wednesday, Hannah? Yes, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, Smith Man sends in the first take. And, oh, of course, it's McLaren related. <laughs> It's never going to rest, is it? No, not at all. Not at all. Not, never, never. Smithman tweets or sends in, if this keeps up, McLaren finishes the season as a top three team. Hmm. So if this keeps up, McLaren ends the season as a top three team. What's your initial thoughts on that one, Hannah? Oh, initial thoughts. I mean, yeah, if they keep it up, surely they'll, you know, get a top like be a top three team at the end of the season I mean if you look at their last few races since suddenly becoming very quick Piastri has been well 16th first of all and then fourth and then fifth and Norris fourth second and second again I mean yeah for sure if both drivers are consistently in the top five like they have been then they could definitely get a top three finish it feels crazy saying that if you compare to how they were at the start of the season but it really looks like things have turned around and uh, I, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be some races that are better than others and 
I don't know if we're going to see them consistently in the top five, but if they are, and like the hot take says, if they keep this up, they could definitely be a, a top three team. What do you think? I think this is a very, very true statement. Um, I did write about this a little bit on the website, WTF1.com. My, my regular uh, editorial, DRE, Dre's regular <laughs> editorial. We're still working on the name, but I think the acronym fits. <laughs> yeah. um, I did talk about the race for second, and McLaren is the elephant in the room here because, as you say, they their upgrade package has, has worked a treat. They've, I reckon they're a good half a second a lap faster than they were before Austria. They were looking at maybe being the sixth or seventh best team um, at the start of the year in a fight with Alpine. And now we're literally talking about, about them potentially finishing second. And I did some maths on this. The last two race weekends, i.e. Silverstone and now, McLaren has outscored Aston Martin, the team currently in third, 58-9. to nine. Wow, okay. So that's a that's such a stat. <laughs> so that that's a 49 point swing and they are 97 points behind Aston Martin in that fight for what would be third. If you want to look at the the standings right now, McLaren are currently fifth, Ferrari and fourth are 80 points away, Aston Martin are 97 and then Mercedes are 136. That's what it says in my notes here. Mercedes might be one too many because Mercedes have also scored 45 in that time. So they're still scoring reasonably well. Hamilton had a genuine shot at a podium in Hungary again. Um, and um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't quite happen for Hamilton on that occasion, but still a solid fourth place. Russell came back through the field very well to finish sixth. Ferrari were a bit of a hot mess. And Aston Martin, a team who everybody thought was you know potentially could win in Hungary, Alonso himself said he thought they could win in Hungary. Ended up ninth and tenth. Um, Aston Martin have hit the skids a little bit, and they don't quite know how or why that's happened. So, at this rate, McLaren are looking very good to finish third because they've taken forty nine points out of Aston Martin in the last two weekends. If they keep at this pace, they will they will end up in the top three by the end of the season, definitely. The only things that have stopped me from giving this a full-blown five is the fact that upgrades can change. Other teams could develop an upgrade. They could potentially rein McLaren in. You know, you never quite know how the development race plays out in time because, I mean, people mocked me for having saying that there's no way Lando gets two podiums and then Austria and, and then Silverstone happened. As I said on Twitter, if if you could have predicted that happening, you should be playing the lottery rather than searching for my username on Twitter. (laughs) But um, you never quite know how it will turn out, but it's certainly looking very promising for McLaren right now. So with that in mind, I'm going to say four. I think they've got a very good chance of, of reeling in Ferrari and Aston Martin unless one of those two teams strikes gold in terms of an upgrade package that could you know, potentially stop the bleeding. But right now, McLaren's hot as hell. And it's hard to argue that they'll end up third by year's end. Well, what do you reckon, Hannah? Yeah, I'm going to straight up, I'm just going to give it a five. I think if, I mean, like you said, upgrades happen, teams drop off, teams improve as well, like we've seen. Um, But like the hot take says, if they keep this up, statistically, they could easily get top three. So I'm giving it a five. Yeah, fair enough. I think I think five is certainly viable. And I, like I said, I would have give, I would have gone five myself if it wasn't for the fact that 
again, upgrades can change, and the, the, this sport can change rapidly when it comes to how development races play out. So we're going to have to wait and see how that goes. But I think there is a very, very good chance McLaren ends up third, maybe even second by the time the year comes to an end. I don't think they'll get to Mercedes. I think they're a bit mm. too far away, and they're still scoring reasonably well. But again, have to wait and see. Imagine at the start of the season saying potentially McLaren could get second. That's just, you would never have believed it. It's it's unbelievable. But... You remember that preseason, right? You remember yeah. the fact that Lando Norris looked miserable. The car's mm-hmm. brakes could barely stay working. Everybody was on the Aston Martin hype train and rightly so by the time we saw them in an actual race. they yeah. It was justified about how good they were at the start of the year. And you would never have guessed that McLaren would would turn it around this quickly. Like, what was James Key, their technical director, doing in that McLaren car? <laughs> because the moment they got rid of him after Saudi Arabia, within months, they've now looked like they're the second best team in F1 again. How did that happen? <laughs> no someone, idea. Someone please tell me. <laughs> right into the show. Like, please fill me in on this one, because that is startling that that, <laughs> yeah. is, that, that, that that has happened that turnaround has happened so fast in, in incredible scenes over at Woking uh, tweet number two comes from Shuka 88 Shuka 88 says Logan Sargent will get into the points this year the Williams clearly has speed Logan just needs to unlock it within himself hmm. Logan Sargent will get into the points this year the Williams clearly has speed Logan just needs to unlock it within himself is this person American by any chance <laughs> just uh, I, I, I might check the profile but oh, oh, for, oh, Ferrari livery hmm. not sure about that one um, but, <laughs> I, I'm joking Eric I know, I know you sent the tweet in like please don't take that completely seriously but I wonder if they're American um, Logan Sargent to get into the points what do we reckon, Hannah? I mean, I'm not American, and, and I think I might agree. I, th- mm. I mean, I can see it happening. He's really been close to the points a handful of times this season, and I feel like it's only a matter of time, really. I think having Alex as a teammate right now is also... I mean, you can see it both ways. It's It can be a good thing and a bad thing, because I feel like he'll be a great mentor. He's got that F1 experience. He's been around the F1 world for a while, um, but... On the bad side, when you compare the results between teammates, it makes Logan look a lot worse. It's like, is Alex outperforming the Williams or is Williams actually that good? It's it's hard to know, especially when there's such a big gap between two teammates. But mm. I mean, we all know for rookies, it's unusual to see someone be able to work with the car right off the bat. Piastri is right now, but I feel like that's an exception because we don't normally see that. So it will right. take him some time to get completely up to speed. Last race was a DNF, but the race... The last race that he finished was a P11. Uh, so he's only going to get more and more comfortable in the car. So I do feel like a points finish this season will happen. It's, uh, I mean, maybe not top five, you know, but I do think he... <laughs> Trey's <laughs> face right then, no. <laughs> um, but... It was scowling, trust me. <laughs> yeah. But I do think points are definitely possible. What do you think? I, I wish I had the amount of faith that you do in Logan. I'm, I'm, I've... I, I want to believe in Logan. I, I, I really do. Um, it's it's a lot. He, he like like you said, Silverstone was his best race of the season so far. He was eleventh in that one. He was in range of the Ferraris. He was genuinely pretty good. Um, I think there is some potential in Logan because I remember seeing his very first race in Bahrain. He was twelfth that day. He was only a few seconds behind Alex Albon on track. And I was like, hmm, this Logan Sargent fed is quite good. 
but then the, the most of the season in between, he's been quite far behind Alex Albon in terms of raw pace and ability. The head-to-heads have not gone in his favour at all either. I think Albon's out-qualified him every round so far this season, which doesn't help either. I want to believe in Logan. And who, like the, the funny thing is, I'm being careful how I word this because it's Belgium this weekend. And Williams tend to go well at Belgium. It's a high-speed track. Williams like those high-speed tracks. And I don't want to necessarily say it's not going to happen for Logan. And then what happens if he gets into the points of Belgium? I'm going to look completely friggin' stupid <laughs> again. Yeah, um, I mean, it's already happened there with McLaren, though. So you're used to it by now, Dre. <laughs> what, what, I, I don't want to be used to this, Hannah. That's the problem. Um, so... Uh, I, I, most of me thinks that Logan Sargent isn't going to score points this year. I think really? he might. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think he's too far behind Albon. And it, I think, trust me, this is more of a, a, this is more me praising Alex Albon than me dissing Logan Sargent because being a rookie, it is hard. There is no doubt about it. It is difficult. Albon has been driven really, really well this year. And there's a take about that later on in the show, which we'll address coming up soon as well regarding that. Um, but the the gap is so big. I just don't believe in it with Logan. I, I and Hungary was a prime example of the bad side of Logan Sargent. He was running towards the back of the field all weekend long, then spins it with three laps to go, and his car dies. I it, it was just that's probably more reflective of where Logan is as a driver than the eleventh place at Silverstone. I think that's more of an outlier. So I'm going to say two. For this one, like I want Logan in the points. I'd like to see him in the points. I think it's great for F1 if we get an American that can drive. It's just good for everybody. I just don't think it will happen this year for Logan. I think wow. Albon is the spearhead of that team. And I think he will be the one that gets all the points out of that Williams team over the course of the season. Interesting. This is wild because <laughs> you're going to be shocked by my rating. Go on. <laughs> I'm Surprise giving it me. a five. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I, I I, do get what you're saying. Uh, the gap between Alex and Logan is massive. Um, but I don't think the gap is anything to do with whether Logan will score points or not. I, I okay. think we've seen him get P11. He's got P12 right at the start of the season in Bahrain. I think he's got a P13. If he was com- like consistently between P15 and P20, I would maybe agree with you more. But okay. he has shown that he can get those results. Uh, however many DNFs happen that race, you know, whatever. But sure. the fact that he's been in P11 and had that result, part of me is like, well, what's what's one more position? You know, I feel like it's bound to happen. We're only halfway through the season, although the season has gone very quickly. We are only halfway. Yeah. Yeah. So there is so many races left. And uh, even if it's a wild race and we have, you know, seven DNFs, I feel like it it is bound to happen that he will get at least one point scoring finish. So I'm giving it a five. Sorry, Dre. (laughs) Hannah has gone for the punches chance argument. (laughs) You're bound to get one crazy race in there somewhere. And who knows, Logan maybe maybe ends up 10th as a direct result. Okay. No, but also he has shown that he can get really close to the point. So I don't think it's completely impossible. 
again, I've spoken this into existence. What's going to happen now is that Williams have a really good car in Belgium and they both <laughs> end up in the points and I look completely stupid a week yeah. later. Flashback to uh, Russell in the Williams P2 in qualifying and the race. <laughs> like, so, so are, you, are you setting up a rain dance now or later on in the weekend? Well, actually, there's a post going up on WTF1 in about an hour talking about the fact that it's potentially going to rain in Spa this weekend. So we'll see. <laughs> Of course. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I'm going to look stupid again for the second time in a month. No, I could easily look just as stupid. So it's 50-50 here. (laughs) Logan, do what you got to do. This is Titanic. You are going down with the ship, Atkinson. Uh, (laughs) Great. Whether you like it or not, (laughs) I'm not going through this again. (laughs) Sometimes it's difficult finding the right thing to wear. You might see something you like the look of, but find it doesn't fit you correctly. Or you might find something that's perfect for the office, but just won't cut it on a night out. Looking good makes you feel good. That's why you need to check out my new favorite clothes brand, Roan. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible set of products known to man. And here's why. Their comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. And if, like me, you hate ironing, you'll love these clothes even more because they're completely hassle-free. With Roan's wrinkle-release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the products. It's that easy. What's more, with Gold Fusion Anti-Odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. Roan were kind enough to send me some clothes, and I love that they're both comfy and smart, something that's incredibly difficult to find. So why don't you give Roan a try? Their commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com WTF1 and use promo code WTF1 to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com WTF1 and use the code WTF1. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Take number three comes from Rihanna Hensler, and Rihanna says a McLaren will be on the podium every race for the rest of the season. So this leans into what we said for take one earlier. McLaren potentially being the third best team, maybe even the second best team on current form at the moment. Will they have a car on the podium every race for the rest of the year? Can Norris and maybe even Piastri carry them to the point of podiums, Han? Well... I mean, I still stand by what I said in, you know, take number one. I think McLaren, if they continue as they are, could definitely be top three team. But having a McLaren on the podium every race is is quite an ask for the rest of the season. I think that, you know, even the second best team, like throughout an F1 season, have some races where they're not on the podium. Every team, like whether it's Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari over the last like five years or so, there's always going to be a race where neither make the podium. And I think McLaren, (laughs) their form recently has been insane. But if you look at the rest of the season, they've been nowhere near. And I do think they can continue like this, but I I can definitely see and and picture in my mind a race where they get P4 and 5 or P5 and 6, which is still an excellent result for them, but it's not podium worthy. So I think, I mean, I agree that they could, but I just think it's such a huge ask that I don't really think it's going to happen. What do you think? 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. I think you're largely right. I think McLaren on current form does have the second best car in the field. I also think Mercedes are pretty close to McLaren right now in terms of overall pace. I still think they have a slightly better driver lineup as well. I would still take Hamilton and Russell over Norris and Piastri. Do not get me wrong. The McLaren pairing is very strong. I think we are starting to see the pros and cons of Oscar Piastri a little bit more as a driver. Now he's been in a much more high profile position compared to fighting when he was fighting in the midfield earlier on in the year. Now he's challenging for podiums. He was unlucky at Silverstone. He he was a little bit unlucky in Hungary as well because he, he damaged his floor driving over a curb which did not help himself. And he openly admitted himself after the race, he struggled with tire management. He was on the harder compound tire. He didn't know how to get the best out of it. And he struggled um, in that regard. So I think we're going to see a lot more of the pros and the flaws of Oscar Piastri as time goes on. Lewis Hamilton is still driving very, very well this season. He's had three podiums in the last five races. He was unlucky not to get one here as well in fourth. Um, I think Mercedes were hoping he was going to lead from the front and, you know, play a bit of survival. Um, I think everybody, like, low-key knew that Red Bull still had far more in race trim, even though he qualified on pole. Um but in, 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 to be fair, Hamilton nearly did. He got back on the podium himself. One other factor I'd like to throw in there as well: Sergio Perez will still likely get podiums. I, I, I know his again his qualifying wasn't great in Hungary. Ninth is not ideal, but that was a annoyingly for Perez. That's a step in the right direction given how the last <laughs> five or six race weekends have gone. That, that was his first Q3 in six weekends. Um, so like uh, that was an improvement. I suppose mm-hmm. um, it's not a big one, but it, Hey, it's a Q3. He hasn't seen, he hasn't, I think he had a nosebleed by qualifying that high. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's an improvement and he still ended up finishing third and was unlucky not to end up second. Uh, he was gaining on Norris towards the end of the race, but I think he had marbles on his tires. So if we're playing this out over the course of the season, I could see more race weekends or a Red Bull finish one, two. And I still think it's close between Norris and Hamilton to the point where I could easily see a Verstappen Perez Hamilton podium happen, or maybe George Russell. I'm stunned Russell's only had one podium finish all year. Just the one. And I and 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 that was in in, in Spain where Mercedes were clearly the second best car that, that day compared to everybody else in the field. So I think there's going to be more weekends where che- where where Checo 
and Hamilton will potentially get in that podium fight alongside Verstappen, obviously, um, as dominant as he has been. So for me, two is my rating. Again, wouldn't completely rule this out. I don't think it's 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 a crazy take by any stretch. I think, like I said, I think Norris has been exceptional for the last three race weekends. Piastri isn't far behind, but I think there is a gap between Norris and Piastri, and I think in that gap. Hamilton and Checo will probably get at least one, if not both of themselves on a podium alongside Max over the course of the year. I hope that explained it well enough. I, f- I think no, I hope it was a- perfect. Good, good, good to know. But I'm, I'm <laughs> going to say two. What do you reckon, Han? It was so perfect that I'm also giving it two for exactly the same reasons. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I think, you know, we will see McLaren on the podium way more than we have done, you know, compared to the, the first half of the season. But Definitely. like you said, Hamilton will be on the podium. Russell will be on the podium. We might see a Ferrari occasionally on the podium. So I just don't think it's going to be every time. Although I'd love to see it. So bring it on. (laughs) It would certainly make things more interesting. And that leads directly into take number four. It's from Tom Levins on Twitter. And this is another classic one. because We did one of these that was similar with Charlie, but I wanted to get Hannah's perspective on this because now she's obviously one of our other co-hosts on the show. Tom says F1 is duller and more predictable now than it has ever been. <laughs> no way. I I disagree. I do. I get it. I get it. You know, I do. The season hasn't been the most thrilling season, but really the only predictable result is P1. Red Bull and Max are the fastest. We all know that. But Perez in that other Red Bull car, he only makes it into Q3 half the time. And no one expected Aston Martin. Yeah, exactly. No one expected Aston Martin to have the start to the season that they did. And McLaren, like we've discussed a lot on this podcast already, where have they come from? Suddenly, you know, one of the fastest cars. So I'm sure we would have all loved to have a title fight, a battle for P1, but we don't have that. So we have to look at the rest of the grid. And actually, I would say that every position apart from P1 is quite unpredictable. So, yes. You could, I think if, if you look at it generally, you can say it's dull, we don't have a title fight, Max is winning everything, but everything else is way more unpredictable than I feel like it is most of the time during an F1 season. So I get both sides, but I am rating this one a two because I do disagree. I think actually this season is quite exciting. And if you kind of cover the P1 result <laughs> going into each race weekend, <laughs> I actually don't really know what to expect. And I, I'm really excited about what's going to come before a race weekend because i honestly don't know it like it before hungary or austria i think was the first race where McLaren did well like no one expected that and then it was just kind of out of the blue and and we all loved it so i'm actually really enjoying this season so far interesting um, Wait, i want to know what charlie thought <laughs> Ch- charlie thought that I think I think Charlie was a lot more understanding, and and it, here's the thing, right? This is a completely subjective take because you know yes. how you how you get your entertainment is ultimately down to the person that watches it. Everybody consumes their media differently, and that's course, absolutely yeah. fine. However, however you you know, you know dissect your F one or how you digest your F one is ultimately down to you. Um, if some of you are kind enough to spend it with us, then that's fantastic. If not, that's fantastic too. I I am all for that. My personal opinion is, well, I get it. 
like I I am going to like I'm going to say three here first and foremost, and I okay. don't okay. Like I'm going to say I'm getting that out of the way now, and because I think this is one of these things that is very much down the middle for me. If you are the sort of fan who ultimately wants a title fight, then yes, I can I, I can understand how this is disappointing. Of course, Red, yeah. Red Bull pretty much has both titles under lock and key already. If Max Verstappen was a constructor, he'd be leading the championship by 58 points right now. There's no getting around that. No, he, is, he, is, he has been utterly incredible. He's now only the fifth man in history to have won seven consecutive races. Um, like he's a he's an he's already in very, very rare company. The other four, Ascari, Schumacher, Vettel, and Rosberg. There's a, I just managed to run that fact off the top of my head. I don't, I don't know how I remember <laughs> nice that. But uh, they're the only five men in history to have to have uh, won seven Grand Prix in a row. And as I'm sure you saw, that was Red Bull's 12th consecutive win, which is an all-time F1 record. It beat the 35-year record set by that McLaren MP44 in, in, in 88 that won 11 straight. This is a dominant season by all accounts. It might be the most dominant season of all time for one single driver. For me personally, I've taken a lot of fun in other elements of the season. Aston Martin being a huge surprise going from genuine midfield team to team that's challenging for podiums and wins. Let's not forget, Fernando Alonso very nearly won at Monaco. If like It was the wrong tyre call. If they put intermediates on Alonso's car straight away, he wins that race. You know, Esteban Ocon was on the podium that day. Monaco was genuinely good. And, and, and that never happens with Monaco for me. You know, we had the shock of Mercedes and in and, and, and Spain. And now we've had McLaren's sudden rise. The fight for second for me is genuinely fascinating. Like uh, we go into every race weekend now not knowing who's going to be the second best team. And don't get me wrong. There's sort of a built-in asterisk to that because no one's really here to find out who the second best team is. We want it to be who the best team is because that's what we ultimately care most about, and that's winning and losing. But as a fan who likes seeing the bigger pictures, likes seeing the makeup of the grid, who likes being analytical towards F1, I find this fight fascinating. Like, we go back three rounds. Who was the second best team in F1 in Austria? It was Ferrari, for crying out loud. Charles Leclerc was second that day. Signs would have been fourth if it wasn't for the time penalties afterwards and seeing how that would have played out. It's been fascinating seeing the back and forth, seeing the development race play out, seeing McLaren come out of nowhere. We still have 11 races to go as well. I mean, who knows what could happen after the summer break gets down. There's a bunch of fascinating circuits out there. that We've, we've not even seen how Las Vegas is going to play out. And who, like, for example, last year as well, who would have had George Russell leading a Mercedes 1-2 at the back end of that season, given how dominant Red Bull was looking back then too? Um, you know, so... For me, it takes a lot for me to outright throw out an entire season and say the whole thing is boring as hell. Um, because I think there's there's little nuances in the little stories, but that's just my personal opinion. So that's why I'm saying three, because this is a very subjective take. It's it all comes down to how you as a viewer takes in the sport. And I respect all those opinions. So yes. A bunch of you listening are going to be mad that I chose the number three. A lot of people <laughs> I know don't like it. I know someone DM'd me the other day saying, 
Dre limit the three to one per episode, which I actually think is quite a good idea. I'm going to find that tweet real quick. Hang on. It's from two ton Nick on, on who DM me on, on, on Twitter, who said, uh, you're only allowed to give a free on one take per episode. I will stick to that rule going forward. I'm happy to stick to that too. So, you know, what? there's my free for the episode. You're welcome. But, <laughs> um, I think it's a very subjective thing. If Honestly, this is one of those takes where if you picked any number on the scale, there'd be a completely valid reason yes, for absolutely. it. Yes, absolutely. So I'm saying three because I've actually found it mildly interesting. And for me personally, and I'm going to whisper this here, most F1 seasons are actually quite boring. <laughs> yes, it's true, isn't it? Like dominance is more common than I think a lot of fans want to realise. And maybe... It's because of that shot in the arm from DTS and a bunch of new fans have come in recently. I know a lot of them came in off 2021, which was an incredible title fight. Even if you ignore the way it ended, it was an incredible fight. That's not the norm for Formula One. I hate to be the bearer of bad news if you're a newer fan, but that's not normal. Like the norm is one team being best and they win the majority of the races over the season. So for me, if as an F1 fan, I've already kind of got that complex built into me as a fan if you don't that's completely fine but 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 as someone that's watched the sport for a long time that's pretty normal so i'm I'm kind of okay with that yeah for me it's a two for all the reasons i said earlier but i yeah I, i don't think that it's a dull season but yeah if i gave it a one two three four or five you know there would be reasons backing that up. So it's a two for me, but I see every single point of view. Definitely, definitely. Last take of the episode comes from Matthew Primer. And I'm not, and, and, and Matthew emailed this take into the show. I'm not going to reveal your full e- email for privacy reasons, but the fact that it's the first half runs ace primer get in touch with me is that a red dwarf reference because if it is well done you i i I am a huge red dwarf fan and i love that that i think that's an ace rimmer reference if it is i i salute you my friend uh matthew sends sends in this take where it says um hi there i've got a hot take for you guys alex albon is doing as good if not a better job at williams than george russell did but is not being linked to a big name team so Alex Albon is doing as good, if not a better job at Williams than George Russell did, but is not being linked to a big name team. Mm. How do you feel about that one, Han? The Alex yeah. Albon Williams experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I it's hard to compare two drivers when they're not teammates. I know they have been in the same car, but the Williams has, you know, it's changed a lot over the last years, as does every car. I do think Alex is doing a really good job. Um it's tough. The the top three team aspect of the of the hot take. I think if Alex went straight into the Williams, he probably would have been linked to a top team. But because he's already had that experience at Red Bull, it kind of seems like a been there, done that kind of thing from the perspective of the top teams. I don't know if I mean there there are many drivers who are on the radar of teams like Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari uh, already uh, who have an experience being a team in a team in the top three. And I feel like they'd be first choice. And because Alex has had that experience in the Red Bull and it obviously didn't work out, it's probably off-putting for a top team to to bring him back, uh, even though he is performing really well. I mean, like George, out-qualifying his teammate all of the time, 
it is impressive stuff and it does seem like he's making the most out of that Williams car. But I don't think a top three team would take him back. I know he's not driven for like Mercedes and uh, Ferrari and things, but because he has had that experience at the top and it didn't work out, I, I do feel like it's kind of, they, they'd pick someone else before they picked Alex, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm also going to I'm gonna say two on this one. And the reason why I'm going to say two is not for the reasons you might think. I largely agree with you, Hannah, on this one. There's a couple of issues I have with this. And, and, and that's not, not your take itself, Matthew, obviously, just in general. One, I think the Williams is a better car now than it was when George Russell was with the team. Four of the last five seasons, Williams has been stone dead last in the Constructors' Championship. Right now, Williams is seventh. Now, I've got to put an asterisk on this one as well because it is a bar fight at the bottom of the leaderboard. And Albon's made this point himself multiple times. The top teams are so locked in now, it's going to be really, really hard for another team to score points. Like the drop-off after Alpine in the leaderboard is huge. I mean, Alpine is sixth in the championship. They've had their car be top 10 worthy on multiple occasions. They have 47 points as a team. They're in sixth. Williams in seventh has 11. It's a huge drop-off. Like, Haas has 11 points. Alfa Romeo has nine. Um, You know, they are scrapping and clawing for every point they can get right now. And those lower-end teams are going to have to have a perfect weekend to maybe score one point. That's how competitive it is at the top. The top is locked out the lion's share of all the scoring. It's why I've heard and seen takes urban submitted to the show along the lines of F1 should maybe take MotoGP scoring system where it goes down to 15th to score points rather than 10th. And I think there's a valid argument for that. I, I, I completely understand that. So I think the Williams car is a lot more competitive um, now than it was with George Russell being there. And I think as a result... Albon maybe doesn't have to drive quite as well to get those points finishes that George had to absolutely wring the neck out of that Williams to have even the small chance of getting in the points, which didn't happen often. And a couple of them were straight flukes, like like Belgium in 2021, where he got that podium finish. That was purely off a wet qualifying session, which we all know throws the form book completely out of the window. That's not to say Alex Albon hasn't done a very good job, because I think he has. I think he's genuinely been one of the drivers of the year so far. But I think George Russell had it harder. I think James, and I say this as well to say, I think James Vowles has done an incredible job at Williams so far this season. I'm lucky to be friends with people that work at Williams. They've all said to me the same thing, that... Vals has absolutely inspired that team. He's galvanized a lot of them. You can see the differences in performance. You can see the difference in morale in that camp. I, I think Williams is a team that is on the up, definitely. I think that I don't think they're going to finish last in the championship this year at all. Um, so with that in mind, I think that might actually make Albon look a little bit weaker, but only in direct comparison to George. And I completely agree with what you said, Hannah. He's done a stint with a big team and it was a complete disaster. And that is going to be an off-putting thing for anyone else that would want to gamble on Albon. I don't think Red Bull would ever take him back. Um, Ferrari, I think, has a solid driver lineup. I don't think, I don't see a big reason why they'd ever want to move away from Leclerc or Carlos Sainz. I think they've both been very good. Mercedes, 
Again, there'll always be rumbles about Hamilton's future. It looks like he's going to sign a new deal, so he's going to be at least another couple of years, um, I think, of Hamilton. George Russell has largely been very good at Mercedes. Those are the big teams. I don't see an obvious opening right now. And and if it, if there was one, would you be taking Alex Albon over Lando Norris? No. <laughs> I wouldn't. Um, that's my personal opinion. Would you even take him over someone like, say, Esteban Ocon? Mm, no. Now, now that's a fun debate. Um, like I think Esteban Ocon is a very underappreciated driver. I could see him in a Ferrari one day. Would you take Albon over Ocon? Get in touch with me on that one, actually. I'm actually very curious about that one because like, I think Albon is very good, but I think there are other more established drivers that are ahead of him in the queue. So for me, I'm going to say two, it, it, which is a shame because I want to go higher on this one because I'm a big fan of Alex Albon. I mean, who isn't an Alex Albon fan? He's just a lovely man and a great driver, but yeah. I can't get there on this. I think Russell did a more impressive job because I think Williams were in a worse position when he was headlining that team compared to Albon now. Yes, no, I I do agree. Oh, I think okay. This is going to be my one three of the episode. Okay, you, you've you had one. one. Yeah, well, okay. It's it's. I think I'm going to give it a three because I I do agree with the fact that Alex is doing a good job in in the Williams, although he's not going to be linked to a big big team. I do agree with that. So maybe I should increase it to a four because I just do agree with the hot take. <laughs> Um, it's hard. I think what I'm struggling with is is comparing him to Russell and yes. figuring out who is hard. who is better, who is worse. And I think there's no way of knowing that. And I don't think we're ever going to find out the answer who who's better because there's so many factors that go into it. So it's I'm, a big I'm just going to settle it's, it's on a, a three. Yeah. yeah, settling on a three. That's fair because, like I said, it is very hard to compare drivers and eras of different cars in different years at the same time it's it's always a bit of a vibe check more than anything else because it's very hard to directly compare because the field is different the state of play is different the cars are different um in in williams case the entire upper management is different because williams cleared the decks last year after josh capito left them james vows has come in he's got new technical staff all over the place it's a very different Williams team compared to last year as it is. So it's very, very hard to compare. So I completely understand going free on this one because, uh, yeah, it's, there's a lot to break down and it's hard. It is hard to make that comparison. Definitely. That'll do it for this episode of Hot Takes Wednesday. Thank you all very, very much for your takes. Again, thank you for all your kind words and your competition entries as well. Thanks to your feedback as well. I do listen. I do read every bit of feedback I get. I'm always trying to look to find ways of making the show better. And it seems to be working out because you guys seem to be really, really enjoying it. Again, over 20,000 of you listened to last week's show. So thank you all so much for tuning in. Thanks for all the kind words. They do not go unnoticed. I do really, really appreciate them. And we all do back here at WTF1. So thank you all so much for that. We'll be back next week after the Belgian Grand Prix for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. But until then, please don't get in the points, Logan Sargent. I've been Dre <laughs> Harrison. She's been Hannah Atkinson. We'll see you next week. Sayonara. Bye. Bye.